This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. My name's Chris. I'm the pastor here. And uh, I don't know about you. To me, Christmas Eve feels slightly different this year because it's in the morning and we're here. Uh, But we don't actually know what time Jesus was born. So for this year, we're pretending it was 9.58 a.m., right? Uh, Christmas is the time that the church has chosen to observe the arrival of Jesus. And so during that time, we, we have set aside four weeks, we call them Advent, where we anticipate, we celebrate, we look forward to the arrival of Jesus in the world. And it's not so much about December 25th as it is about the historical reality of the incarnation of Jesus, that God put on flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now, over the years, as the church has celebrated the incarnation of Jesus, that celebration has infiltrated almost every level of culture wherever Christianity takes root and flourishes. And so for us, in our context, the celebration of Christmas has all kinds of traditions, all kinds of moments, all kinds of experiences attached to it. And the Christmas experience for us each year is one that is, is full of all kinds of things. Sometimes it's a really positive experience. Right? So, so your Christmas experience this year might be positive because it's filled with family and friends and meals and parties and gifts and decorations and celebrations. Or perhaps your Christmas experience this year is a little more negative because it's filled with family and friends <laughs> and celebrations, and meals, and gifts, and decorations. And, and what we really find in our experience is that, that either the positivity or negativity of the particular Christmas season we're in is usually connected to the season of life in which we find ourselves. And so your, your probably your favorite Christmas seasons have been ones where life is generally going well where your relationships are on track, where there is money in the bank, there are gifts under the tree, there is food on the table, and there are pleasant family members and friends arriving to celebrate with you. On the other hand, some of us, we have been through some Christmas seasons that weren't so pleasant. We've walked through Christmas seasons where we're enduring the loss of someone we love. We've walked through Christmas seasons where we have experienced trauma or heartache. We've walked through Christmas seasons while enduring sickness or disease. And yet what we find as followers of Jesus is that our experience of the Christmas season and the traditions and the feelings that go with it are not necessarily reflective of the reality of what Jesus has done for us. The story of the incarnation is the story of God putting on flesh and making his dwelling among us. And he doesn't just make his dwelling among us when life is good and life is pleasant and everything is as we hope it will be, but he makes his dwelling among us in every season and in every moment. He draws near to us in our success and he comes close to us in our failure. And so this morning on Christmas Eve, as we remember the incarnation and we celebrate the arrival of Jesus, we remember that the story of Jesus doesn't start with wise men, it doesn't start with shepherds, it doesn't even start with angels or Mary and Joseph. But the story of Jesus starts in a garden. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, we find God's intention for the creation of the world. Genesis chapter 1 verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed a man. From the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, 
and there he put the man that he had formed. It's a reminder to us that God's purpose and God's plan for us is that we would live in perfect relationship with him. When he forms Adam, Adam walks and talks with God. He's with him in every moment. He's with him in every situation. God puts him on earth by the will of the Father with a purpose and on purpose. And yet even in that perfection of creation, there is an incompleteness to it. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 says that God looked down and said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a, suitable hel- a helper suitable for him. And so we're reminded in the story of Genesis and in the Garden of Eden that we're not just created to live in perfect relationship with God, but we're created to live with each other. We're designed to love each other, to be with each other, to walk and talk together, to do all of life together. And, and yet, somehow along the way, our experience of our relationship with God and our relationship with others is broken. As you continue reading the, the Genesis story, we find the explanation for that. Genesis chapter 3, verse 11, after Adam and Eve have given in to sin, the Lord comes to them and says, Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So what you find in the the story in Genesis is this reality that you and I still deal with today of an experience of perfection always includes the possibility of rejection. For God to live in perfect relationship with us required that he give us the ability to choose to live in relationship with him or to reject him. And Adam and Eve, they make the same choice that you and I have continued to make at different times and in different ways. It's a choice to turn away from God. It's a choice to embrace our own sin. It's a choice to not receive his authority and not live under his commands, but instead try to navigate our own way and find improved ways of living and being the people that we want to be. And in that space, as we welcome in sin and as we welcome in rebellion, it brings all kinds of consequences to us. In Genesis chapter 2 and 3, we see God beginning to lay out the consequences of sin for Adam and Eve, consequences that you and I still deal with today, consequences that affect our relationship with him, that affect our relationship with each other, that affect even our relationship with creation. And from that day to this day, those storms of sin continue to swirl in the world. They continue to bring heartache and hardship into my life and into your life. We suffer because of our own sins. We suffer because of our own selfish choices. We bring hurt and we bring pain through our decisions into the lives of others. The, lives, the choices of others also bring pain to us. Some of the difficulty that you're experiencing this morning is not just due to your own choices. Sometimes it's due to the sinful choices of others. The reason that that some of us find Christmas so difficult is because it reminds us of some of the trauma and the drama that we've endured because of our sin or the sins of others. And then as we see in in the, the story in Genesis, sin doesn't just affect our relationship with God. It doesn't just affect our relationship with each other, but it also begins to plant poisonous seeds that bring a deadly harvest through all of creation. And so even today, we continue to suffer from death and disease, from sickness and violence, from all sorts of evil in all sorts of places. 
And it brings us back to this point on Christmas Eve of remembering the arrival of Christ and and trying to understand that the arrival of Jesus on earth is not just a sentimental story. It's not just a nostalgic, feel-good memory that we come back to once a year each winter, but instead it is God's answer to our problem of sin. When Jesus shows up, it is God's incredibly non-traditional answer. It would have been easier for the Lord just to recreate a new heavens and a new earth, to start over with another group of people in another place. Perhaps it would have been easier for him to wash his hands and walk away entirely, but what we find is that even in the garden as God is pronouncing the consequences of sin, he's also revealing a ray of hope. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the Lord says to the enemy, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And so the promise that's made in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 is there will be tension between God's people and the enemy. But God's promise is even though you will struggle and strive and even though I will struggle and strive and even though everyone from that day to this day will live in this endless battle, one day he says there will come a man who will not just fight but who will crush the head of the enemy. And so the glimmer of hope is not a hope of one day if you behave, one day if you follow the rules well enough, one day if you memorize all the right statements and pray all the right prayers, then somehow, somewhere you may be restored into your relationship with God. But instead, the promise of Christmas resides in the garden that one day he will raise for himself the one who will perfectly, finally, and fully crush the work of the enemy. And so on Christmas, we celebrate our traditions and we enjoy them and we welcome them. And yet we remember that the arrival of Jesus is God's most non-traditional answer. His solution to our sin problem is not to cast us out or not to try to raise us up to him. His solution to our sin problem is to descend into the middle of it with us. To offer himself as the perfect and final sacrifice. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Galatians 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. See, the promise of the scriptures is that Jesus has come not just to be a role model, but he has come to be the way, the truth, and the life. He's come to be the restoration of your relationship with the Lord. He's come to be the restoration of our relationships with each other. And one day, the scriptures teach, he will return and he will fully and finally restore us to our experience of perfection with God, perfection with each other, and perfection with all of creation. And so, During Advent and on Christmas Eve particularly, we do not just remember the arrival of sweet baby Jesus in a manger, but we remember the arrival of God's promised son who will crush the head of the enemy. I love the way that 1 John chapter 3 verse 8 puts it. He says, the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And so what we remember today is the destruction of the devil's work is the restoration of Eden in our life. And though we still live in a world affected by sin, the promise of the gospel is that you and I can live in perfect relationship with God through the presence and the work of Jesus Christ. 
The promise of the gospel is that you and I, no matter our backgrounds, no matter our current situations, that you and I can live as brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. That we are not just welcomed into a club or a community. We're not even just welcomed into a church, but we are welcomed into a family. A family where we are fully and finally known, welcomed and identified by God himself. And a family where we will be loved, embraced, and celebrated by others who have found the same faith in Jesus Christ. And so on, on Christmas Eve, we, we traditionally conclude, as we will today, with candlelighting. Candlelighting reminds us of all sorts of things on Christmas Eve. It reminds us of the arrival of Jesus as the light of the world. It reminds us of the promise that those born into the darkness have seen a great light. It reminds us of God's promise that the darkness cannot, will not, and has not overcome the light of Jesus. And my prayer for us this year is that in just a moment, as you take your candle and we begin to walk around and light those for you, that it's a reminder to you that when the light of Jesus shows up, it's not just a temporary experience of hope, it's not a fleeting feeling of joy, but it is the restoration of Eden in your life. You now get to live like a light in the darkness. You now exist as a city on the hill. You now show a world what it looks like to walk and talk with the Lord. You show the world what it looks like to live in harmony with your brothers and sisters, in unity with others who place their faith in Jesus. And what we find happening in our world is the same thing we'll find happening in this room. As I embrace the light of Jesus, and share it with you. And as you embrace it and share it with other, others, we begin to get a bigger and bigger and bigger picture of what this restored Eden will look like. And it gives us hope that there will come a day in the future when Christ will return. That even as we celebrate his first arrival, we long for his second arrival. When he wipes every tear from every eye where there's no more mourning, there's no more pain, there's no more hurt, there's no more sickness, there's no more death, there's no more disease. See, the promise of Eden is not just the promise of life with God and life with each other. The promise of Eden is an existence where evil has no impact, where death has no authority. This is who Jesus tells us that he is. He says he's the resurrection and the life. And everyone who believes in him will live even though they die. And so this morning, as we light those candles, we're remembering this is not a temporary, momentary light, but it's the eternal light of God that shines in our lives and will shine through all of eternity. I'm going to invite the band to come back with me. As I do, will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Jesus, we come to you today. We are grateful for who you are and for what you have done. Lord, we recognize our need for you, and we acknowledge that we come today as people in need of a Savior. And so on Christmas Eve, Jesus, we remember your arrival. We remember the difference that it makes, and we remember, Lord, how powerfully transformative it is for each one of us individually. So Lord, as we light these candles, we ask that it will not be just another Christmas tradition, but it will be a personal and powerful reminder to us today that you are with us and you are for us, that you have invaded our existence to lead us into the experience that you have designed for us. Jesus, we believe that you are the Son of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. 
And so this morning, Lord, we each individually acknowledge and accept that decision. Lord, we want to take our place as your sons and your daughters. We want to be fully and finally identified as participants in your kingdom and members of your family. So Jesus, today, will you move us past tradition and into personal, powerful, and transformative experiences of your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.